Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Molly McGrath always knew what she wanted. Hey, you want to coach football? Fine, you got it. At Central High. Her team, the Wildcats. Ready to play, coach. Do you want to play football? Yeah. Don't wear yourselves out. You want to get rid of me? Absolutely. You're in training as of right now. Put that out. You think a woman can't be tough enough? Watch me. Oh, I don't intend to coach a bunch of losers. Uh, how did your folks let you get like this? And he probably ate his folks. Your mama says you ugly. Hey! From here on out, I call the shot. Tell them what to do. Win, you turkey! Right. Oh. How are you enjoying the game thus far? Oh! person for this job wildcats football had it coming hey there it's brian davis and for this week's episode we're going to cover the movie wildcats from 1986 the studio warner brothers release date february 14 1986 with a running time of 106 minutes and the rating of r the box office took in 26.2 million making it the 37th ranked movie of 1986 Rotten Tomatoes gives it 22% rotten from 18 reviews. We can ignore those. But we won't ignore Roger Ebert, who was, I guess, one of those 18 reviews at the time. And he gave it 1.5 out of 4 stars. So here's his review. (laughs) Wildcats is allegedly about Goldie Hawn's attempts to find success as the coach of a boys' high school football team. But most of the big scenes and almost all of the dialogue in the movie are assigned to her grown-up friends and the team gets lost in the shuffle. Her coaching is the gimmick, not the subject of the movie. With the exception of a Refrigerator Perry clone, played by Tab Thacker, who plays the tallest and fattest member of her team, Han's players are sort of a faceless mass that mills around on cue. The movie, which was filmed in Chicago, was directed by Michael Ritchie, the same man who made the Bad News Bears 10 years ago. That was a movie where we really cared about the members of the team, a movie that was about a coach and a team. Wildcats is about how spunky Han is and how cute it's supposedly to be that this little woman can make all those great big football players do what she says. See what happens here? The filmmakers, the producers, and Han herself bought the premise instead of looking for the plot. The problem with the movie is that they started with a character description instead of with a story. The fact that Han plays a boy's football coach is not in itself interesting. Her relationship with the team would have been interesting if they developed one. But no, they thought they had everything they needed. They thought they could clone Rocky one more time. I was discussing the formula in this space just the other week. It's called the Quidvic Plague. The acronym stands for Climb from Despair to Victory. 
Now, I've seen this sort of ending before. Just in the last few weeks, for example, I saw the winning football game at the end of the best of times and the winning hockey match at the end of Youngblood and God knows how many (laughs) winning bicycle races and wrestling matches I saw last year, not to mention Rocky IV, of course. The Quidvic Plagues, rhymes with Kid Pick, is becoming an insidious force in the movie industry. It convinces producers that they have a plot when, in fact, all they have is a boring structure to trap their characters. Man, if Roger Ebert was alive today and he saw the, all the superhero films and how basically every film is the same now, he'd really be sick. Uh, he'd, he'd harken back to the good old days of the 80s. Anyway, back to the end of his review. Wildcats is clearly an attempt by Han to repeat a formula that was wonderfully successful in Private Benjamin. Wide-eyed Goldie copes with the real world. It was less successful in Protocol, and now it's worn out altogether. Sand to Roger Ebert's review. All right, sorry, Roger. I disagree wholeheartedly and loved the movie as a kid, and I still love it today. Look, maybe it's because I'm a sucker for Goldie Hawn movies, but Wildcats, for me, is super enjoyable and deeper than the film likely gets credit for. In any case, I can agree to disagree with my favorite movie critic from time to time, right? Okay, let's get into the main cast. Of course, Goldie Hawn plays Molly. I covered Hawn's career in the Private Benjamin episode. So from Private Benjamin in 1980 to Wildcats in 1986, Hawn appeared in four movies. She was in Seems Like Old Times with Chevy Chase, Best Friends with Burt Reynolds, Swing Shift with Kurt Russell, and The Very Fun Protocol, which Eber didn't enjoy either. My mom does, though. The other actors in the film are great. There's Swoozie Kurtz, Nipsey Russell, who is really good, Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson in their film debuts. Robin Lively in her second movie. Jan Hooks, who of course went on to Saturday Night Live fame. Michael Williamson, who of course ended up playing Bubba in Forrest Gump. And the great Bruce McGill, who played D-Day in Animal House. Now Ebert mentioned the director Michael Ritchie, which I also covered in the Bad News Bears episode. We've done a lot of good movies. He also directed the football movie Semi-Tough with Burt Reynolds and the great comedy Fletch with Chevy Chase prior to Wildcats. Okay, let's get into the making of the film. So screenwriter Ezra Sachs came up with an idea where Goldie Hawn's character would be at a sports bar filled with men watching a football game. So each guy at the table she's near predicts what the next play is going to be. Finally, after everyone's made their prediction, Goldie casually says it's going to be a Statue of Liberty play. Of course, the guys dismiss her as crazy, but sure enough, the next play is exactly that, the Statue of Liberty. And that was the essence of her character. She's always dismissed, never taken seriously, and always needing to prove herself, though she was often way more educated in the game of football than the vast majority of her counterparts. So a producer at Warner Brothers and a friend of Sachs asked if he had anything written that would be suited for Goldie Hawn, as the producer was going to meet with her in the coming days. And that's when he pitched the outline of Wildcats. The producer, of course, loved it and decided to pitch it to Goldie with Sachs. I realized I almost said Golden Sachs. Anyway, Sachs said that after he gave his spiel, Goldie stood up and gave him a hug and turned to her film partner and said, we just paid for our trip, which meant she was going to sign on to make the film. The original title of the script was going to be called First and Goal, but the execs didn't feel that the average audience would get the title, especially for an audience that was drawn just to Goldie Hawn films. So the film was changed to the name of the team, of course, being the Wildcats. Sachs watched hours and hours of NFL game film, along with interviews from coaches, specifically to nail down the plays and the dialogue for the script. And Sachs said Goldie was really easy to work with, and Kurt Russell was even on set to read lines with her. 
Okay, let's get into the film. So it begins with a retro montage of home movies, presumably of the characters Molly and Verna when they were young girls. In all of these clips, Molly has a football or hanging out with her father, who was a football coach, along with his team. Verna is with Molly as well, but Molly seems to be the most interested in the game of football. For example, we see a clip of the two sisters opening their Christmas presents. Verna gets a doll, and Molly gets a football helmet. The montage ends, and we cut to modern times as a grown-up Molly, Goldie Hawn, and Verna, Swoozy Kurtz, are together as Verna is taking a gag photo of Molly for the high school yearbook. Molly is fully dressed in a football uniform. She works as a high school track coach, but has aspirations of being a football coach instead. Verna is an English teacher, at least that's what I think she is. We never really do find out what she does. Anyway, an opening for the junior varsity football coach is now available, and she pleads with the principal to give her the job. She spent her whole life around the game because of her father, and she has tons of knowledge. The principal is, of course, a coward and kicks her request to the very sexist and chauvinistic varsity football coach Dan Darwell, played by Bruce McGill. Verna suggests Molly go on a pseudo-date with Darwell just to kind of butter him up so he would agree for her to take the JV position. So they go on a very 1980s date. Racquetball. You never see anyone playing racquetball anymore. Unfortunately, Molly does the worst thing possible, and that is... She kicks Durwell's ass in, in racquetball. But frankly, even if she lost, Durwell doesn't believe women should be coaching male sports, regardless if she's actually more qualified than most men. In any case, Durwell promises to meet the superintendent on Monday to supposedly put in a good word for Molly. Molly is a single mother with two girls, Alice and Marion, 13 and 6 years old. Her oldest, Alice, is played by Robin Lively. Molly's ex-husband named Frank, played by James Keach, and he's your typical 80s yuppie schmuck. Frank has custody of the kids for weekends, so Molly can prepare for a potential coaching gig. Molly has tons of notebooks with scripted plays from her father. However, come Monday, the inevitable happens. The principal gives the job to another teacher, a male home ec teacher, which is ironic considering that home ec is usually designated for females. Male home ec teachers, I guess, are okay, but a female football coach is far too taboo to fly. Molly is rightfully pissed and quizzes the home ec teacher about specific defense formations and coaching fundamentals that any rookie coach would know. It's obvious he's not qualified for the position other than being male. Darwell shows up to this farce in the principal's office with a smirk on his face and gives Molly her wish. She'll get a coaching job. It's not even junior varsity. It will be varsity at Central High which is considered the roughest high school in Chicago. Darwell is setting up Molly for failure, but she won't pass up this great opportunity no matter how challenging the school is. Molly heads to Central, and we see a montage of inner-city Chicago, which is a complete opposite of the affluent suburban area where Prescott High is located. Molly arrives at Central and is greeted by two Doberman pinchers who chase her through the halls. That's the school's security, it seems. Molly then meets Central's principal, the very cheery Mr. Edwards, played by Nipsey Russell. (laughs) So Mr. Edwards' stock answer to everything is very funny. It's always, right. He's great in this role, by the way. Definitely one of the highlights of Wildcats. Molly finds out that she was basically hired because nobody wants this job. She won't even have assistant coaches. She can't even have practices before school starts in a week. As Mr. Edwards puts it, He wouldn't even know how to round the guys up. Edwards tries to cheer up Molly, saying that she'll have a number of returning players from the last season. 
Though Molly notices that they only won one game the season prior, and that's because the other team's bus broke down. So Molly is not only in charge of a team full of tough kids, but they're not even that good. The next day, Molly meets her team in the locker room, and she's greeted by the entire team with only their jerseys on. No pants. And this, of course, is led by Tremaine, Wesley Snipes. And suited up and ready to play, coach. Good, good, good. We on the f- five and field minutes. Tend to coach a bunch of losers. Yeah. Now, if you're not willing to work hard, so she has a really cute ass. You notice that? So none of the guys respect Molly, and they don't want to hear the knowledge she can bring the team. And also, by the way, another player named Krasinski is played by none other than Woody Harrelson. So years before White Man can Jump, Snipes and Harrelson appeared in a different sports movie, Wildcats. Molly tries to get the team to do calisthenics to warm up, but half the team isn't interested and bails. One of the guys in the stands watching the practice is... Lavander Bird Williams, played by Michael Williamson, of course, of Forrest Gump fame. I I mentioned he was Bubba, who was more interested in selling the guy's stolen merchandise than playing football. Verna picks up Molly after practice, and Molly says, you know, she's just going to quit because the team will never follow her. Verna tells Molly that Darwell has a pool going to see how long Molly will last before she quits. Suffice to say, Molly doesn't quit. The next day, the players who are not the first stringers show up on time to practice, and they participate in the warm-up drills, while the other players kind of saunter in later for the supposed scrimmage. Now, Molly has been working on plays with the guys who actually you know, participated in practice, and on the first scrimmage play, they score an easy razzle-dazzle touchdown on the players who did not bother to practice. Next, the same guys who practice are now on defense, and they get a sack due to their blanket coverage that Molly coached them on. The first stringers are starting to see how Molly might know what she's doing. Okay, what are we gonna run now? Yo, double reverse, I'll take it. Why don't you just play quarterback, Tremaine? I ain't seen you do no end zone dancing, Marvell. Hey, hey, come on, somebody think of a good play. Let's go. You just run anything, but just stay out of my way. Alright, um. Left formation, double reverse, on beam. Okay, and try not to get me sacked this time, Bumblehead. Ready, let's break. Now that's on the chicken shit side, you know? We're sorry about that, coach. I was just running my blocking assignment. You just practice over, huh? Let's get coach. out of here. 
So yeah, Molly ends up getting intentionally run over by Cherulo, played by Jesu Garcia, and gets a black eye in the process. The next day, Molly shows up to school, and her office has just been trashed. She's fed up, and she decides to get the player's respect in a different way. Hey, coach. Yes. Why don't you quit so we can get us a real coach? You really want to get rid of me? Absolutely. Step outside. If I drop before any one of you, you can tell me to go to hell. But if you quit before I do, then from here on out, I call the shots. I bet you fifty dollars that the coach I run these boys. So as much as I enjoy the entire movie, that last scene is by far the best part of the film for me. She put all of the guys in their place the only way they could understand, physically. If she couldn't get to them mentally, she showed them that they couldn't keep up with her physically. And her telling Tremaine that she ran the Boston Marathon twice was absolutely priceless. So screenwriter Ezra Sachs had a tough time trying to figure out this key scene. He talked to an executive at Warner Brothers, and and the executive said that his wife was a cross-country, long-distance runner, and he could never keep up with her. Sachs thought that was brilliant and then wrote the scene. It's a brilliant scene because it's funny and believable. But Molly's victory is short-lived because that night, Frank and his new wife, Stephanie, played by Jan Hooks of Saturday Night Live fame, come by the house. Frank found out about Molly's coaching gig and hates the idea because he's a control freak, which is why they're no longer married. Molly tells Frank to shove it, as she should. 
The next day, we get a good old 80s montage where the guys have decided to buy in into actually taking practice seriously for a change and having fun in the process. The montage song is called Good Hands by the Isley Brothers, which has a perfect sound for an 80s montage. So even though the guys are getting better in practice, they still aren't a very good team and really in need of a few impact players, most notably a quarterback. In any case, they're only down four points at halftime, and Molly tries to rally the troops. Now we're four points behind. We can push right past these guys, right? Right. Yeah. Now you don't sound very convinced. Come on, don't you guys have any pride? Yeah! Don't you have any guts at all? Yeah! All right then, get out there and get tough! Yeah! Hey, me! The look on Wesley Snipes' face when he delivers the uh, pussy line is classic, along with Goldie Hawn's expression. Unfortunately, the pep talk didn't do much, and the Wildcats lost 31-12. However, I'd be remiss if I didn't give some love to the Wildcats cheerleaders, who are amazing, even if they only have two girls to start with. You, you really have to see the movie and you'll die with how funny uh, they are doing their dances and songs at the same time. <laughs> also, after their loss to the Cougars, the Wildcat players decided to steal the Cougars' mascot, which is a goat. I, I know. I, I guess it's meant to be funny and ironic. Uh, of course, Molly is the one who has to return the goat when she leaves it in the basketball court of the opposing school. <laughs> 
Unfortunately for Molly, because she's trying so hard to succeed in her job, she's not able to give her own kids the attention they were used to. Alice, in particular, starts to rebel by dyeing her hair pink and telling Molly that she doesn't even care about them, only their players. Molly has a heart-to-heart talk with the kids and lets them know that they are by far the most important thing to her, but she also needs their help to succeed. By succeeding as a coach, she is showing her own kids that they can fulfill their own dreams and be whatever they want to be when they grow up. Molly finds out that the key to success of the Wildcats is getting Lavander on the team to play quarterback. Unfortunately, he's essentially dropped out of school and he's basically a hustler. Though he's always watching the Wildcats' practices and games, so Molly decides to go to his house to try to recruit him, which leads her to some interesting places and meeting some interesting people. She finally finds Bird, as he's called, by his friends. Molly ends up getting into a predicament in the process of trying to get Bird on the team, as Bird and his friends are trying to rob some televisions, but of course do not tell Molly that when she drives them to a back alley. The two other guys end up stealing Molly's van, when they see the cops patrolling, and then Molly and Bird end up hiding in a trash dumpster. Molly decides to blackmail Bird into playing football, or she will start screaming for the police. Bird has no other choice than to agree. Bird shows up to practice the next day, much to the amazement of the other players, and even Krasinski is fine with giving up the quarterbacking job and playing slot back instead. And like most comedic sports films, all it takes is one key player and magically the team starts playing better and we get the obligatory game montage and the Wildcats win 19-17. To celebrate their first victory, Molly throws the team a party at her house and everything is going great until Frank shows up to pick up the girls for the weekend. Frank thinks the players are a bad influence on the girls and threatens to take Molly to court in order to get full custody. If Molly doesn't quit, Frank will move forward with trying to get full custody. In the meantime, the Wildcats continue to win, which means montage galore, and of course, make the playoffs. Playoffs? Uh, Only football fans will get that one. Look up Jim Moore. Well, I'll start off by saying this. Do not blame that game on the defense, okay? I don't care who you play, whether it's a high school team, a junior college team, a college team, much less an NFL team. When you turn the ball over five times, Four interceptions, one for a touchdown, three others in field position to set up touchdowns. You ain't going to beat anybody I just talked about. Anybody. All right? And that was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. We threw that game. We gave it away by doing that. We gave them the friggin' game. In my opinion, that sucked. Uh, You know, you can't turn the ball over five times like that. Holy crap. I don't know who the hell we think we are when we do something like that. Unbelievable. Five turnovers. One of them for, we've thrown four interceptions for touchdowns this year. That might be an NFL record. That's pitiful. I mean, it's absolutely pitiful to, to perform like that. Pitiful. What's that? Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Another game. Anyway, Frank has other plans for Molly and the kids and wants to put the kids in a private boarding school. And then Molly will take over as the PE teacher at the school. Molly tells Frank to shove it again, of course. Now, it takes almost half the movie, but one of the most interesting and funny characters in the film is Finch, played by Tab Thacker. He was also in Police Academy 4, playing the character House. Finch is basically a hustler, but in a more refined way, because he's incredibly intelligent, and he sells the players term papers so they'll pass their classes. 
Finch ends up on the team after Cerullo injures himself by attempting to dent a locker with his head. And it didn't end well for him, as you can imagine. The Wildcats win their first playoff game, no thanks to Finch, who was a lazy sack of shit. And they end up making the championship against her former school, Prescott, of course, because it has to end that way. Central has a pep rally for the team that night, with a young LL Cool J performing. But the punch gets spiked, and Alice gets drunk without even realizing it. Things come to a head that night when Frank finds out and confronts Molly. Molly, I'm getting custody of the girls. You don't have to drive me home, coach. You have obviously lost your grip on reality. You could pay for a cab. You can't. No, you won't see that you have lost control of what goes on in your own house. 20 bucks should do it. Well, maybe 15. But three points... Finch! You've got guts galore threatening me with losing custody, Frank. I was the one who took care of Marion when she had the croup. I was the one who comforted Alice when she woke up in the middle of the night with nightmares for six months after you left. I was the one who, who blew up a house full of balloons for your daughter's fourth birthday, which you couldn't even find the time to show up at. So don't tell me that I've lost my grip on reality. I can't lose my grip on reality. I'm submerged up to here in reality. Would you just stop being so dramatic, for God's sake? Oh, if I didn't think you'd use it against me, I'd punch your face in. I'd do it for ten bucks. You just keep your fat ass out of this. Frank! No charge. All right, so what happens with Molly and the kids? And how do the Wildcats do in the championship game? I think you can guess, but there are a few fun surprises during the game. And it wouldn't be an 80s sports movie without a team rap video, right? Just like the 1985 Chicago Bears Super Bowl Shuffle. Say they call me too main, the ebony lover. I validate the theory when I'm under the cover. It's the sport of kings, meddling down in rings. Football. My name's Tarula, I'm a real bad dude. Making sounds and noises that are certainly rude. But when we're on the field, my noises aren't art, mega, and a or a plain old ball. It's the sport of kings, meddling down in rings. I was leader of the team for about a week My specialty was the quarterback sneak I was sacked and attacked my bag was packed When I got the word in the form of a bird It's the it sport all now. better than diamond rings Football We once were a team that never could mesh it But now we're something fresher than fresh You think we're jamming and that's a fact Everybody say Wildcat Wildcats. Football. 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 Wildcats. Football.
So I, what I find great about films from the past is that they could have a message without being preachy or heavy-handed, and they could still be very enjoyable. The problem with today is if the same premise of Wildcats was made, it would be terrible and would feel like a lecture. The reason Wildcats works so well is that it can be funny and still have a good message. That is something today's filmmakers and writers seem to have a real difficulty accomplishing. The art of being subtle is sadly a thing of the past. But thankfully, there are countless films from the past to revisit, and I do, and hopefully you do as well. All right, a fun fact. The filming of the movie was done during the summer. Extras were asked to show up in winter gear and act like it was cold outside, but the temperature was in the 80s on the days of filming. All right, I found two guys that are definitely fans of Wildcats, and that are special guest Metal Mike Tyler and Bill Roseberry, who, of course, are part of the dynamic duo responsible for the Metal Mike Show, which you can hear every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on ThatMetalStation.com. So let's talk to Mike and Bill, and then I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. All right, you had Montana to Rice, you had Favre to Sharp, and you had Bradshaw to Swan. Well, now we got Brian to Bill to Mike, Metal Mike Tyler, and, and they're all back. And we're all going to talk about, I'm not going to call it a classic, but we're going to talk about a fun movie. It's called Wildcats from 1986, starring Goldie Hawn. Welcome, guys. And, and this is a first to get you guys both on at the same time. Yeah. This, awesome, is epically this is epically historic, man. I mean, you know, and I love the little... Uh, Bradshaw to Swan reference, you know. I, I tried to pick that. everyone's favorite well, team. Well, Mike, cl- classic, classic Mike, selfish, everything's about the Steelers. You're we fucking right, it earlier. is. I was, gonna it say, is. I was about to say great job on recognizing the Steelers and the Packers for him and I. And fuck so, the Packers. But no, he, he, doesn't, he only cares about the Steelers. That's, That's right. Actually, I, I like the Packers. I mean, I'm not a fan, but I do. I respect them. Let's just put it that way. Well, good. I appreciate that. Old and school notice, like, smash mouth football. And even the Niners, man. A lot of grit in those teams. Well, yeah. I mean, they were they were labeled as a uh, finesse team because of the West Coast offense. But uh, they forgot that they, they just did everything backwards in the 80s. You know, they, they well, ran the ball when they were sh- should have passed. So there you go. Uh, well, and... and and uh, Ronnie, there was nothing finesse about Ronnie Lot. Thank you. Right. I was just yeah. going to say that, man. Ronnie Lot, the word finesse does not come to mind when I think of Ronnie Lot. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They had a, they had a good defense. But anyway, we're we're talking. We are going to talk about football. Um, and so this right. is. Well, <laughs> That's right, the, the the football rap, which LL Cool J, there you go. Uh, this is an interesting one in the sense of, uh, I don't know how great the, the gameplay is, but uh, it's an entertaining movie. And before we get into the actual movie, uh, we'll start with uh, Mike. Um, were you a fan of Goldie Hawn and, oh, before this film? I've loved Goldie Hawn probably as long as I can remember. You know, I mean, what's not to love? She's. I mean, I couldn't even really tell you what my first movie i saw her in i think it was uh private benjamin maybe i was a little guy mm-hmm. but that would um, make sense yeah but yeah you know i've been you know because my parents they liked her too you know and yeah i i mean i've always been a fan she's she's awesome not and, and incredibly cute and just yeah amazing yeah and i feel that this movie's a very underrated film so oh i agree well how about you bill uh yeah i was a fan i was the same way my parents were fans of her I probably you know i'm six years younger than mike so 
I can't remember what the first thing I saw her in. Um, if it was this or if it was uh, Overboard. or I know I right. saw Private Benjamin when I was a kid, but my parents used to go probably much, much like both of you guys and rent VHS tapes. And it would be like a weekend and we'd watch movies, you know, and they'd rent a few of them and we'd have them there at the house. And, and there was a lot of Goldie Hawn movies when I was growing up, you know, because um, they were a big fan of her. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely, and I, think and I always that, thought she was hot too. Yeah. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. But the well, I my I think my mom knew her, especially from uh, Rowan and Martin's Laughing, and that's what when she. That's made where me. my parents just yeah. too. Brian. Mine yeah. too. Mine too. Yeah. And she was in a great movie that I think she was nominated for a supporting actress called Cactus Flower with Ingrid Bergman and uh, Walter Matthau. But I think the one that uh, we always loved too, and I, I guarantee you guys did too, is Foul Play with uh, Chevy Chase. Yeah, like I said, my mom, dad, Rowan, and Martin. And then you like you point out foul play. Uh, another one I love is Seems Like Old Times. Yeah, again with Chevy Chase. Another movie that I think is really underrated is Swing Shift, where she actually mm-hmm. met and fell in love with Kurt Russell, who is That's the man, right. by the way. That's right. And I the same. Think I saw that as a kid, Swing Shift. Swing I never Shift. saw foul play. Uh, Bird on a Wire was one I remember when I was a kid. Uh, oh, yeah. Mel Gibson. Um, and then, of course, like I said, Overboard with Kurt Russell was one. Oh, yes. Um, from when I was a kid, we watched a lot. So, yeah. And another good one that my mom always liked was also from 84, uh, Protocol, where she kind of accidentally plays. I think she was working for the like the United Nations or something like that. She becomes like, <laughs> like oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That one's a funny one, too. It's just I, a, think you I know, remember that yeah. vaguely, too. Yeah. Yeah, she just had to have that that fun personality that just you, you just immediately liked her. But uh, for Wildcats, this is interesting because I never uh, thought of her as like, you know, someone into sports or anything, but it, it totally fit. And uh, when you first saw this, were you drawn to just because Goldie Hawn was in it or were you interested because it was a football movie? And we could start with Bill on this one. Uh, I think we were drawn to it um, because of Goldie Hawn. I mean, at that age, 86, I was more... I was more baseball at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I did follow, follow. I had watched some football a little bit, but I was all about baseball. So it wasn't really the football aspect. It was just that it was a Goldie Hawn movie. And uh, and I think it helped that it was based in Illinois, too, with right. with us being in Illinois, you know, because it was in Chicago. I mean, though we're in southern Illinois. So one interesting fact while I'm thinking about it, too, to tell you, I have actually covered a game at that stadium um mm-hmm. where they shot the film uh that lane lane technical um school is where that stadium is at and my alma mater alton high school down in southern illinois played a playoff game up there against i can't remember it was one of the public league schools but we played on that field and i went up and covered the game and uh did uh did some radio in the second half up there, but I stood on the sideline mm. and took pictures and covered the game in the first half. And at the very beginning of the movie, where she's running her girls' track team there, and uh, Bruce McGill comes over and starts talking to her, I was basically standing right there where she was standing. And I'm going <laughs> to say that the stadium hasn't changed a bit. Wow. <laughs> from then, I mean, it looks exactly the same. It was really kind of eerie when I was watching the movie. How about you, Mike? What was the question again? I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you want to see? <laughs> sorry. Did you see this movie because you were into football, or was it because of Goldie Hawn? 
Well, mostly because of Goldie, but I like the game. I always liked the game. I mean, uh, my my memories of football for me as a child, I mean, obviously I was a ch- child of the 70s, born in 1970, so the Steelers were um, became kind of my team. But the other team that I loved was the St. Louis Football Cardinals. Right. Um, but until they were traitors and fucking left us for uh, Phoenix. But um, Neil Lomax. Yeah, yeah. I was... Um, you know, so there was a while there where my, my earliest memories of football, honestly, was I just remember my dad and his buddies being on there, um, hanging around and, and drinking and, and bitching about Bill Bidwell and how much he was a cheap <laughs> son of a bitch. And, and, you know, cause it's like, there was a period there in the seventies where when I was little, the Cardinals was actually a pretty competitive team, oh, yeah. uh, because we had Don Coriel who went on to greater fame with air mm-hmm. Coriel in San Diego, uh, you know, he was our coach and he mm-hmm. took the, the Cardinals to the playoffs like every year he was coach. Unfortunately, we always got eliminated in the first round, but he got us there at least. And of course, right. they got rid of him. And then the Cardinals went right back to sucking again. But yeah, <laughs> but I always had the Steelers there, too. And then once the Cardinals left, the Steelers kind of became my team. But but yeah, um, mainly because of Goldie Hawn, I believe I watched it on cable. My parents had just gotten cable around that time period because I lived in a rural area in Meadowbrook and, mm-hmm. you know, we weren't we weren't as fancy as Alton and some of the other towns like Edwardsville that had cable way way <laughs> before us we did of course I can't complain because from what Bildo told me it was even a, a few number of years later that he finally got cable but they played this movie quite a bit yeah. on, on the air and I watched it almost every time it would come on I would find myself watching it it's a funny very, very funny movie I think you know I I love it. I think Goldie's great in it. I think everybody. I love the the principal. Right, love that guy. <laughs> Nipsey he's Russell. Hilarious. Yeah, he he's yeah, great. He was hilarious. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was <laughs> right. So we'll get right into it because you guys just recently rewatched it. Uh, how did how does it hold up for you guys now compared to when you when you first started? And we can we can go with Mike first. Um, overall, I think it holds up pretty well. I mean, there's definitely some things in it that you're like oh total 80s the, the keyboard soundtrack i mean the 80s was all about the keyboards man it's like they discovered this synthesizers and all these musicians whether it was in rock metal whatever and even in soundtracks for movies they just went nuts with the keyboards man uh so it kind of dates it a little, little bit there but i've always been somebody that I never judge a movie by today's standards especially if it's an older film especially if it's a film before my time i mean i that's one thing that you know that grinds my gears is when people try to judge things by today's standards, especially older films. I'm like, uh, you do realize that was the top of the line special effects they had at that time, mm-hmm. fools. But um, yeah, I, I really like this movie, and I think it's really cool because like it's Wesley Snipes' first appearance in film, yep. Woody Harrelson. Um, I thought a lot. Out of the characters is a really cool ensemble, uh, very very funny. I mean, Jan Hooks is even in this movie, and I yeah. forgot about that. That's you know? right. So, uh, yeah, very very funny movie. I love some of the dialogue and stuff, but we can uh, get into that a little bit more. Sure. But yeah, I, I like this movie, and I think overall it's it's. I mean, me and Bill we laughed out loud a few times watching, and I had not seen this movie in a long time, bro. Right. So yeah, it was a uh, well, good you, pick, you bring, by the way. You, oh, thanks, man. Uh, you bring up a good point about comparing. Um, you know, films now to to then, and I, it's actually the same thing with sports players. Like when we say, like, oh, is this person the greatest of all time? When you compare it to someone else from from a bygone era, and you can't compare it because 
the, the the rules in the game are completely different. The training's different. Well, it's, it's the same thing well, with movies. So, it, it, at the risk of um, sounding totally non PC, uh, um, yeah, they've kind of pussified the game a bit, in my opinion. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be hardcore and say I want my players getting hurt and damaged. But what I'm saying is, like, when people want to label Brady the greatest, and don't get me wrong, Brady's a great quarterback. I'm not taking anything away from him. But what would he have been like in the '70s when you didn't have pass interference and you didn't right. have roughing the passer and you didn't have you didn't have man, he'd have gotten that pretty motherfucker would have gotten <laughs> smashed. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm well, then, sorry. And then if you, if you swap it, could you imagine Dan Marino playing today? I mean, he put up oh. record numbers with all these rules. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. He would destroy, yeah, he, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. you know, I, it, the immortal words of Rod Woodson, he said it best because they, mm-hmm. they, had, they had voted Brady, I think maybe number one. He's like, look, man, I played against Brady. I played against uh, uh, John Elway and Dan Marino. And I forget who the other guy was. Maybe Brett Favre. He goes, Tom Brady ain't better than any of those guys. And I was like, ooh. But you know what? I understood what Rod was trying to say, especially Marino, man. If Marino played today's rules, he'd have video game numbers, man. Brady who? Yep, yep. So I think I horse you up his ass as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I I got to know Kevin Green a little bit from doing my sports writing stuff because he's from around here. And I got to interview him. And, I mean, you know, he's – one of the greatest pass rushers of all time. And I sure. mean, uh, you know what he got to do to quarterbacks, he wouldn't have been able to do in today's game. And I mean, he used to just get after guys and a guy like Brady never, never really had to deal with a guy like Kevin green. I mean, I get clay Matthews is probably the closest thing you'd see to Kevin green because Kevin green was clay Matthews coach. Right. Kevin and I talked about that. He kind of, taught clay to do some of the things he did but let's look what happened to clay matthews as the game kept evolving clay matthews became a penalty machine because everything was was roughing the passer by the time you know later on in his career with the packers where he couldn't do shit anymore so yeah i mean i i think i mean not to completely make it about football away from the movie but yeah i mean it has it has changed and i i'm the same way as mike with as far as the when I watch a movie, I look at it in the time frame of when it was filmed. Sure. Um, you know, and, and what was going on then. So I try not to judge it by today's standards like you did. It was it was hard not to judge some of the music in there. Like you oh, said, sure. keyboard heavy. Oh, it was some of it was pretty bad. But I mean, you know, other than that, yeah, I mean it was I I, I hadn't seen it since I was a kid and and after watching it, I'm adding it to my collection because this is one I don't have. I'm going to get it because well, I enjoyed you, it that much. If you wait a few months, because we're recording this in, in April of 2021, uh, Shout Factory is going to re, uh, re, reissue it on Blu-ray, and they're going to have all sorts of special features. So uh, by the time, yeah, yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to wait to release this so I can hear all the special features so we can add some stuff to this. And uh, yeah, uh, Shout Factory does an amazing job. If you want to own Blu-ray for them. Okay. Yeah, oh, so, very so, cool. so very something cool. to think about. So uh, yeah, I'm glad you guys mentioned some of the uh, the, the co actors in, in this because you think I mean Goldie Hawn definitely is a star here, um, and you guys mentioned a few like Swoozie Kurtz was in it. Uh, I think Robin Lively as the daughter is great, and uh, and the one that's really funny that I I didn't even realize it definitely didn't realize it at first, but then once I looked at his filmography, uh, McKelty Williamson is Bubba from Yeah. Uh, and he I looked that. nothing. Uh, yeah, but he looks nothing like what Bubba ended up looking like, you know? No, not at all. 
but he did great as Bird. And yeah. I mean, I had forgotten that that he was in it until I rewatched it. But uh, Mike didn't realize who it was. I had to tell Mike who it was. Yeah, about I was. Shit I was like, really? I was like, no way. So yeah, very very cool movie, man. Um, like I said, Bruce McGill plays a total prick. D Day. Yeah, I mean, I'm just like, God, man. But yeah, it's a good movie, man. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, I caught myself laughing at parts, and I hadn't seen that movie in, man, like I said, dude, it's been a long time. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, man. I thought everybody in it was really good. Well, it was a, cool seeing, yeah, I was going to say it was cool seeing Wesley and, and Woody kind of together and, and realizing that that was the first time that's that right. They'd done stuff together and all the things that they did moving forward, you know, like white men can't jump, and, yep. you know, money train. And, you know, they, they kind of became that kind of do action comedy duo. And that's, that was kind of where that started. And they were both great in it too. Definitely. And, and the other guy that I thought was great is um, the guy who played Finch. Uh, Tab Thacker. I knew him because of Police Academy. He was in Police Academy four. He yeah, played <laughs> he played House. <laughs> so he's yeah, right in this. Right. He's comic relief. My favorite line there is when they're dressing him and they go, "Man, how did his folks get let him get this way?" Man, he probably ate his folks. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, he's trying to br- he's trying to like take money from the other- so he can play for the other team. Like he just he's all about like just making money and he's doing other guys' papers and things like that. But you know, it's an it's an eighties movie. There are cliches in it, so you do- he does have redeeming values. But um, yeah, so going so here we go. We we you watch the movie. What are some of the funniest scenes that you guys uh, remember from just rewatching? We'll start with Bill. <laughs> I would say um, one of my favorite parts is when when they give her the the pocket watch and she's up on stage they they, they fix mm. her watch for or whatever mm-hmm. and they said it's from from your pussies and she's reading it she starts <laughs> crying and it, it's so supposed to be so like touching and it's just hilarious you know yeah, yeah that's probably my fa- my favorite part because that's one of the parts that even though i hadn't seen the movie in years it stood out to me i remembered that part because uh you know, I told Bill, I was like, yeah, dude, I remembered that part, man. I was waiting for Bill's reaction, you know, and of course he laughed his ass off. <laughs> but um, I mean, man, there's so many, uh, of course, like when they, when she comes into the locker room and they're not wearing any pants and she right. goes, be on the five and field minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and uh, you know, just the whole, uh, like uh, when, when she outruns them all and, and outdoes them and then she's like, I'll see you on the field tomorrow, you pussies. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you what? <laughs> Fuck you, Coach McGrath. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> very, very funny, man. That was a great scene. And so, like, even though you knew it was coming, that's the best because he, he, she needed to prove herself. And uh, and the only way she was going to get them to come on board is by beating up, beating them at their own game. And, and she totally yep. did. Yep. What about seeing her in the in the um, in the bathtub too? Oh, that's probably that's one of the true. best parts too. There you yeah. go. For us guys, anyway. Or, uh, well, yeah, especially, I, see, today's kids who have the internet, they have everything at the at the click of a mouse. So, little things like that made a big difference in, in renting oh. and cable. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. Best times at Richmond High, baby. Come on, trading, man. Trading places. Yeah. Right. Exactly. yeah. Por- Porky's for me. Remember, we did. I recorded That's, Porky's with you before, and I told you the story about me and my buddy Kevin 
sneaking that movie when my parents went to bed and watching it and trying to keep the sound down so we didn't get caught, you know. And the (laughs) shower scene was amazing, you know, for us when we were junior high. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Were there any scenes for you guys that you would have changed or any plot points you would have changed or or included or, yeah, anything that comes to mind? That's a good question. Um, Not really. I mean, maybe a little bit more emphasis on, on... Because, I mean, they kind of do that in the comer- or in the credits when they show her and her dad. And obviously that's where she accumulated her football knowledge. And they kind of reference her a little bit. But I thought maybe a little bit more background on that, you know. But other okay. than that, dude, uh, I can't. I have no complaints. It's a funny movie. It's got great uh, dialogue. And I like the part also in court where, um, mm. you know, the, 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 the lawyer's just being a, a, you know, his lawyer. Yeah. You know her ex is the lawyer it's just being a complete prick and going for the jugular and and that one guy he says something about revelation because i got your fucking relevant right here motherfucker or whatever <laughs> yeah. then the, and then the judge goes what you all think you bad yeah he slapped with a you know uh, uh what do they call that um injunction or or um yeah exactly i know what you're talking about like yeah yeah you know contempt for court yeah, yeah contempt, contempt for Yep. You know, uh, I, you know, it was, it, yeah, and I, I even thought the judge was cool, man. She was great. Uh, yeah. Uh, like I said, I, I loved the, the principal, especially the part when McGill's like, I just wanted to point out that you got your, you know, some of these. He goes, oh, I'll look right into that on the computer and we should be getting our computer in about, <laughs> oh, two years. And he takes <laughs> the paper and he crumples it up. Yep. <laughs> you know, basically tells him to get the fuck out in a very nice and polite way. That's right. What had Nipsey Russell uh, been on before that? I know he'd been around for a while. He was obviously not new to, to acting at that point. But so uh, he, he was in uh, he was in the Wiz. He played the Tin Man. Um, okay, that's right. Yeah, and then uh, he was just kind of the guy you would see like all the time, like on like TV shows. He was actually on Laughing too. <laughs> he was a guest well, performer. I- Okay. I believe he, he was on a lot of sitcoms, too, back yeah. in the day. I do remember, you know. But, yeah, I always thought he was funny, especially the way he'd just go, right. Right. <laughs> no, it was a great catchphrase. Yeah, you totally remember him as that. But yeah. I, I, I kept thinking he was in more things. But a lot of times he would just show up. I think he'd be on, like, talk shows and, uh, like, the $25,000 Pyramid and, and those game shows. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, another actor we're, we're leaving out, and we shouldn't because he's a great Great one is M. Emmett Walsh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and when Mike, I didn't think about that until Mike brought up the the backstory of her dad, which maybe we could have seen that with a little bit more through M. Emmett Walsh, you know, dad's friend, because I would have liked to seen a little bit more of his character in the movie. He's such a great character actor. And, you know, I I believe he's still alive. I mean, he's been in so many things over the years that i love i know i have a ton of movies with him from harry and the hendersons to yep obviously um um back to school uh yeah back to school uh the, the jerk. jerk yep um uh the, he hates oh, these what's cans the, yeah <laughs> <laughs> the first uh th- this one's a, not a uh comedic role but what was the first coen brothers movie uh oh blood simple Blood Simple. He's in that. I mean, Blade you know, Runner. just a great Blade actor. Blade Runner, right? Yeah, he, so many great movies, and I mean, so you'd be remiss not to mention him too. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I mean, For this sure. is really a great ensemble cast. Great. I mean, Goldie Hawn's definitely the star, but 
the reason this movie works is because you have all these great side characters and these great actors. There is it, another thing we have to mention, though, Bill. The football that? shuffle? Cheerleaders. The oh. cheerleaders. Oh, yeah. Your mama says you're ugly. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't need no alibi. You ugly. U-G-L-Y ugly. <laughs> yeah, we're talking man. about the cheerleaders. They're they were great. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I was just like, oh, God, it was so funny, man. Which is almost kind of like a throwback in some way to the original Longest Yard, where they had the kind of the, the not so great cheerleaders. <laughs> cheer <laughs> right, yeah. right. But this is a different a different way. But yeah, just having the the non-traditional cheerleaders was perfect. And uh, yeah, there I have a little um, I have a clip where you hear all their cheers in, in one little medley. So you'll freak <laughs> out. Well, oh, the other right. I love it. at the end hey. is the the football shuffle with a, a nod to the bears of 85. Yeah. Right. I was going to ask you now, Brian, do you know, I, I asked Mike this earlier and he mm -hmm. did not know. Um, what does LL cool J stand for? Oh, I used to know this and I'm not going to look it up because I, I don't want to cheat. Oh, it's something like, was it lovely ladies? Like, or what ladies love Calvin or something like that. Ladies love cool James. Cool James, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I got the, I get the ladies love. So yeah, it's so eighties, but yeah, no, it that's, is. Yeah, but that's what it stands for. And it, you know, he makes a cameo up on up on the uh, at the uh, prom or whatever. At the, he does. He's on stage, very short, but he's got his little kangaroo hat on, like he wore back in the day, and yeah, just very short cameo on screen. I'm surprised I, they didn't get him as one of the players. But yeah, you know, well, I, I hand it to him and uh, Ice T, both from the '80s that that are still relevant today on TV shows. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's on NCIS uh, uh, Los, Los Angeles, I think. Yeah, the one the one with Chris O'Donnell. I can't yes. remember which one it is. And then and then of course, uh, you know, Ice T. You mentioned him. He's still on Law and Order. Uh, SVU. Uh, SVU, yeah. Mm -hmm. so. yep. Yeah, you got to hand it to the guys that, that stay relevant in, in, in pretty tough business. So, And actually, oh. wasn't LL Cool J? Didn't he play a football player in... Uh, Any given Sunday. That's yeah. right. That's right. So there you go. It's a lot bigger by then. He he got oh, yeah. he started working out after he'd been around for a little while. He was pretty new to the scene. I, I learned today, just looking through some stuff, you know, that movie or that song... Um, uh, that foot the football i think it's just called football yeah um it football was rap. football rap that's what it's called he never released that on anything no yeah so it, it's it was never released on any of his albums uh or or even on the soundtrack for the movie mm -hmm. so another thing i like about that song is how he gives references to all the great players over the years i mean some of them go way back man it was yeah, like he was referencing ya tittle and red grange there, and there you go oh yeah, yeah i know yeah uh, that's good stuff Celine and sammy ball all those yeah. guys man i was like wow well you just you just made my dad and uncle happy you're throwing back uh way that's actually even before their time <laughs> sammy ball <laughs> oh sammy ball goes back man yeah yeah, like I mean, you're talking about a guy who was making records at a, at a time when the game was just a lot rougher than it is now, man. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. He put up insane numbers. So, so let, To wrap this up, let's quickly go through. How do you guys feel about the gameplay? And uh, be brutally honest here. We'll start with Bill. Um, you know, I didn't think it was terrible. I mean, the most unrealistic thing and the thing that made me roll my eyes the most is Finch blocking that. <laughs> the yeah. kick. Oh yeah, that I was mean, close. <laughs> I mean, how did he get 
like he's going to get that much air. I mean, it was like he was flying. Oh, that, yeah. that was the most ridiculous thing and unbelievable part of the movie. I mean, yeah, knew he was going to make a big play. Sure. Um, but I mean, I was like, come on, guys, that's what you do. But I mean, you know, for the most part, I thought um, uh, Micheletti Williamson looked decent at quarter. He was pretty slow, but I mean, you know, he he moved pretty well and then and then wesley i mean his, mm-hmm. if if that was him doing it or whatever i mean they he looked good running the football and things sure. like that but uh yeah the most unbelievable thing was finch blocking that that kick totally yeah. and, and and as far as the gameplay to me it looked like high school sports man yeah sometimes can be very sloppy right yep. Absolutely. You know, so I didn't think it was that. Oh, my God, that's horrible. I mean, what, obviously, I don't expect NFL level of play or even collegiate no. level of play in a fucking high school game. So no. to me, it it was fine. I, I yeah. think the only, the only trope there, every single one of these movies has like a torrential downpour that happens maybe once every few years with the, these type of things. And mm-hmm. uh, it just kind of that, that's typical of Hollywood, too. You never have like light mist. Everything's a torrential downpour. Oh, whether, yeah, yeah. Whether it be football or not. So there you go. You were going to say something, Bill. Oh, no, I was just going to say. And even when I was talking about um, we'll just call him Bubba. It's easier to say than Micheletti Williamson. Sure. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. When, when Bubba's when Bubba's dropping back and everything, I mean, I was going to say, even when you're watching high school quarterbacks, there's usually a three-step step drop, and they're a little right. slower at things developing. So even at that, I mean, it's it looked pretty realistic to me. But and sure. you are right about the rain. I mean, they always have to make everything <laughs> more dramatic, but that's that's Hollywood. So. Well, it's always. Hollywood, dude. You know, always. I mean, they always do that, especially yeah. at the sports movies. Definitely. Definitely. Well, as always, guys, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for revisiting. Anytime, Brian Davis. And and we will. And I would be remiss. I've already promoted it before, before we got into this interview, but I'm going to promote it again every Friday night on that metal station. It's the metal Mike show with his co-host Bildo, who who may or may not be there. It depends if he has to work or not, but he's often there. And uh, it's just, it's a great time. It's so much fun. And, and what you get, what you just heard now, is just a smidget of what you would hear uh, <laughs> on their show. They go into all sorts of fun things. So 8 p.m. Eastern Time every Friday night. Check it out. Thank you again, guys. I humbly Thanks, thank man. you for the plug. And, you know, all y'all, make sure you listen to The Bad Beat every Wednesday, uh, I believe 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Good job, Mike, because we're going to go into that right now. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.